Right Podcast, part of Elite Sports Radio, the place where New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox fans love, well, hate each other. I got four words for you, JB. Oh, no, Pauly D. Why? Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. You had the, you won the World Series. You're going to get another Super Bowl. <laughs> Leave me alone. I went to the mountaintop to look at the verdant peaks, and I went to the valley to see the flowing fields of Brady, and I went into school the next day. And as for one nation under Brady, indivisible Brady, with Brady, and justice for Tom. That's what I'm talking about. You know, it's... You're rooting for the Dark Lord of the Sith, Bill Belichick, is what you're doing. You know, what was crazy about the whole thing, and I was texting you, that I, you know, I was texting you pretty much the whole way we were texting back and forth, yeah. is that I didn't actually think Brady had enough left in the tank at his age... To, to take his to pick his team up off the mat twice in the fourth quarter and and lead the winning drive in overtime. I, I you know the the other shoe the other shoes got to drop at some point and I keep expecting it to drop and the, it never seems to. The Chiefs beat themselves. There was that that dumb offside penalty that negated an interception that would have iced the game. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so. You know what? Congrats to Brady. Uh, you watched at home, yeah? I did. I did. Sound off. Teddy had to go to sleep. So uh, children you, controlling everything. You know, but it's still, but it was still exciting, even with the yeah. sound off. Yeah, it was I mean, exciting. It, it, it's an instant classic, no matter no matter what. Absolutely. I, I heard. Uh, you know, you had a you had a fun time watching it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so my stepfather's um, birthday is January 18th. So we were celebrating a couple days late. Um, now you have to understand, for the past several months. Going to my parents' house on the Upper West Side for dinner means ordering it. Why does it mean ordering it? Because they have not had gas in their kitchen for <laughs> several months at this point. Why? Uh, there's a hole in the line. Co-op board is taking its time uh, fixing it. <laughs> now, here's the crazy part. That, that, that's crazy. I know people get on me for being a creature of habit. The problem is my parents are creatures of habit to an extreme fault, So, which means that whenever they order in, it's one of two places. It's either sushi or this really cruddy local spot and it's not cruddy it's okay called chirping chicken now chirping chicken yeah and instead of ordering you know rotisserie or some tenders my mom gets several servings of grilled chicken with fries that you could put them right next to mcdonald's i couldn't tell them apart so they're good or they're bad i can't tell i mean they're they're decent fries they're workable fries they're working they're journeyman fries is what you're trying to tell exactly they're 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 the tony fernandez of fries <laughs> and, and so, so the Jared Saltalamacchia at catcher salty. of fries. And, right, and, and, here, and here's the funny part: <laughs> dinner at my parents' house. It's like once we're sitting down at the table, it's usually anywhere from half hour to forty five minutes of conversation. Sometimes a little longer, depending yeah, on, depending on who's over. You have to exchange the niceties. Yeah. Um, 
with this dinner, like the, uh, my my wife, mom, and and my sister, they're chit chatting away about whatever. About fifteen to twenty minutes in, my stepfather he goes, "Oh, football's on!" <laughs> Just Irish exits from the table. Yeah, yeah, I'm done. I'm and, done. Right and, now. and at that point, I'm like, "Screw it!" If he's doing it, so am I. And I went, I, I grabbed a Lacroix and joined him in the, uh, in in the um in the family room. My parents also buy Lacroix by the case. Right. Well, you it's, know, it's like they, it's like my mom goes to Costco and, and buys out their stock. They are Manhattanites, man. Yeah, I mean, that's. Anyway, we got we have got a lot to cover. Let me let me get the time let me get the timer ready here. It yeah, has we, been an exciting week in terms of the Yankees Red Sox rivalry, and we're gonna kick things off with definitely. the one that I am second most excited about. We're gonna get to the main event later on. Adam Adovino. The big O. Big O. Number zero. Yeah, uh, I am really excited about this. Um, you, you know, and and you should be. I think he. I mean, I think he fits the uh, the David Robertson role really well in your bullpen, you know. And he's, yeah, so and he, he's gonna he's gonna throw anywhere from the sixth to the ninth inning, right? And he's which gonna is great. he's gonna round it out very well. And I actually think, not to bury the lead, I think that the addition of Adam Ottavino actually gives the Yankees the slightest, slight, slight, slightest of slight edges in the AL East. It it does, and here's why: because now Aaron Boone has the chance to flex his bullpen muscle because he already had a really strong bullpen. We signed right. Zach Britton, uh, Chapman's there, Batantis, Chad Green, but now he's he can really keep the opposition guessing because not only do you have such a deep bullpen, you have so many arms who throw so many different pitches. Right. Green and Chapman are your fireballers. Adam Anavino has what um, my friend Alec Montecalvo, great baseball writer in his own right calls a Bugs Bunny slider. Right. It's so filthy, filthy. It, it, it's, it's almost cartoonish. It's gross. Uh, and then you got Batantis, who's got, who's got that speed, but that also devastating 12-6 curve. Right. Uh, Britain has has that power sinker. You know, the Red Sox fans, and, and me included, would say about your bullpen, I actually think it's a com- it's the combination, the confluence of the factors that gives the Yankees the edge in the in the East on the um uh it's 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 the whole it's the whole package because you know you could if you just looked at that bullpen you could say, well you know what? They had the exact same thing during the playoffs last year and they got bounced in four games. Yeah. So yeah. what's different this year? I mean I was saying to my friend Eddie, who's also a huge Yankees fan like myself, like the way the bullpen's set up, starters don't need to go more than five innings right. per game. Right. Now, you imagine a starting staff that is only throwing five innings to start, but they've still got their regular throw days. Right. They're sticking to a regular routine as if they need to go six or seven. When you have a staff that's that rested yeah. and, going and, into the second half of the season. And the thing is, this isn't last year's starting staff. You know, this isn't, this isn't it, last it, year's starting staff. The, the pitching staff across the board is improved. They beefed it up. Look, the, the addition of James Paxton plus Hap yep. plus Britain plus Adovino. CC coming back. You know, I think, I mean, he's your fifth starter. You could get a warm body in there to probably give you give you yeah. what CeCe's going to be able to give you, you know, during the year. But... But what you know, if he has a plus year, that's a bonus. Yeah, but I mean, the, he's going to get his three thousand strikeout regardless. But it's the improvement to the kind of whole thing that Cashman has orchestrated, which I really, I really do think just ever so slightly. And don't you know, don't get on, you know, don't hate on me too much for this, but ever so slightly, I do believe that the that the Yankees have a slight, slight edge in the futures. You know, the futures uh, for the AL pen are, are starting to tell the tale. Uh, the Yankees are, are, are in just about a tie with the Sox for the AL pennant in futures. The uh, the Red Sox are at 5-2, to two and the Yankees are at 3-1. to one. As far as I'm concerned, that's a virtual tie. Yeah. And, it, and it depends what the action is, who moves ahead. So, you know, but Adovino seems like somebody who's going to really fit in here. Let, let's uh, what go, do you think? Let's go back to Adovino. First off, like, his story, it's straight out of New York. He's born and raised in Brooklyn. Right. Went to high school at Brooklyn Carroll. 
Mother teaches at PS39, fourth grade, I think. Right. You know his father, John Adovino. Right. Everyone does. I mean, yeah. the, you you would know him if you looked at him. The guy's been all over Law & Order, been all over Law & Order SVU. If you're plugged into the theater scene, he's a... He's a he's a known Broadway commodity. He, he is literally that guy who is in that thing. Right. He does he does a whole he does a ton of regional work. Be that you know be that as it may, you know you if you saw a picture of him, you say I seen that guy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the kind of actor he is. Yeah. I mean, it, you you sent me the picture of him, and I and right. I, I was like, oh yeah, it's that guy. <laughs> yeah. But the the story of Adovino's rise because 2017 he's averaging almost seven walks per nine innings. He's That's like, a lot. yeah, he loses his control. He's left off the uh, the wild card roster, and so then he says, "You know what? I got I gotta get it together." He posted like a five ERA that year. That yeah, year, he did. He? Yeah, and so get this. This is from Travis Sochik of Fangraphs. Out of you know, a Brooklyn native, required a productive offseason. He was left off the Rockies wild card roster weeks earlier after an awful. 2017 season when he walked nearly seven batters per nine innings, leading to a 16% walk rate. He was in the final year of his contract. He had spent some time at driveline baseball after the season had ended. He thought he now had some solutions. He had bought tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment with which to try and make himself a better pitcher, but he needed a place to experiment. His father-in-law, a real estate developer, had an idea. He had a vacated commercial property, a former Nine West shoe store that rented at $22,000 per month. He would allow Adovino to use the space for four months for free that winter as a high-tech makeshift throwing facility. It was a block from the A and C trains that would allow him to have a short commute back into the city. And all and all he had to pay his father-in-law was a Nolan Arenado signed bat. <laughs> well, AD, I've got a special relationship with this spot because it is literally two blocks from my apartment. Right, right, right. It is below a Chuck E. Cheese right next to a dollar <laughs> store. Right by the AC train, because unbeknownst to me, I didn't know that Adovino still lived in the city during the offseason right. with his wife and kid. And uh, real quick, uh, going back to Brian Cashman, we talked about David Robertson, who signed with the Phillies for two years, like $24, $26 million, something like that, plus an option for a third. Right. Adovino, three years, $27 million. The Yankees more or less got a very similar pitcher for $3 million less a year, plus an extra year. I mean, it's not bad. It's a great deal. Um, he is, I think, in many ways, I'm not going to say a Robertson clone, but he fits into the Robertson role if you look at his as, if you look at his hits per nine, based on balls per nine, strikeouts per nine, homers per nine. Uh, if you look at them side by side, they're they're extremely close. You know, Adovino is... Uh, Adovino's at seven seven point nine hits per nine innings. Robertson is Robertson is at six point seven homers per nine. Adovino point nine. Robertson point eight. The point the only point being is that he slots into a well established carved out role in the bullpen. And even though even if Robertson has probably had a little bit nicer career, I think Adovino's really good. He's a New York kid made good. I think he's really going to fit in well here. Yeah. Plus plus the marketing opportunities are. Uh, they, they speak for themselves. Number zero, age, agent zero, whatever you want to call them. But uh, now the question that it's on everybody's lips, Paul, what are the Red Sox going to do? Uh, Craig Kimbrell, no end in sight with that free agency stalemate. Oi. Dombrowski has pretty much gone on record. You you tweeted it at me today that the Red Sox <laughs> are not going to add another arm via free agency. Well, no, he said. I mean, I mean, he said that uh, on multiple times, and most recently in the uh, in a podcast hall pass with Buster Olney, uh, he said that they won't be making a big expenditure okay. on another arm. This doesn't rule out certain other options that I think we'll get into, but it does really seem to rule out Kimbrel, unless Kimbrel for some reason 
unbeknownst to anybody and and you know and 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 for and for reasons probably that his agent would advise him against decides to take a bargain basement one year deal. This we- question just popped in my head with with the Robertson and Adovino signings could even though Adovino is not a closer. Right. Robertson he can be a closer but his role in Philly is unclear. Does this mean that those two deals set the closer market? I'm not sure about that at all actually because there hasn't been a real established closer on that's been on the market that's been dealt I guess, I guess except for uh, familiar familiar to the Mets, right? Uh yeah, he re uh he re-upped with the Mets. You know, so or, or did he re-up with Oakland? I think he re-upped with the Mets. Yeah. I think Familia signed. For, yes, he did. He re-upped with for, the Mets. What was it? Ten million or something, or twenty million Here, for I'm a couple l- years? I'll look it up right we'll t- now. We'll take a look. We'll take a look at it. The point is, I don't. I don't think. I don't think it has because I. I think in terms, at least in terms of Kimbrel, because Kimbrel is in Chapman territory. Yes, he is. His stats, uh, his his performance, postseason aside, his regular season performances, he's in Chapman territory, and I think he's looking for Chapman money. And Chapman money is a seventeen point two million average annual value. He is not going to get that. Yeah, because Chapman, for all of his issues, the man can effortlessly throw one hundred and five miles an hour, but, or at least he used to. But that's not, but that's not even really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the way the teams are treating free agency. You know, last year in 2018, and and, and again, Familia, three years, thirty million with the Mets. Three years, so it's ten million a year, right? Yeah. So it's, I mean, it, I I think Kimbrel wants something in the in the in the sixteen million dollar a year range. Even if it were thirteen, I think even if it were ten, they passed on Joe Kelly, who was something around eight million average annual value. The Red Sox aren't gonna; they're just not. They're gonna not spend going them. to because, like, one guy we're going to talk about in the show later, Mariano Rivera. He right. was the the mark of a truly great closer, and I learned this watching Rivera for years, is that if asked for, he can go two innings. Kenley Jansen can go two innings. Craig Kimbrell, can he though? Can should should Kenley Jansen go two innings? I should mean, he? I mean that's another that's another conversation <laughs> entirely because the poor man has a heart condition. No, but, but I mean, no, but should Kenley Jansen go two innings after his performance in the World Series? Probably not. Right. Yeah. I mean, in certain high leverage situations, maybe you maybe you do limit him to one inning. But no, but your point is well taken. Yeah. Closers, closers, closers go more than one inning on occasion. Yeah, and, and every time I've seen Kimbrell get called in to get more than three outs, more often than not, he's gotten the job done, but he, but he's definitely taken years off the lives of Red Sox fans in doing it. I mean, that's why I call him Cardiac Craig. There you go. You know, it, it, it you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be Craig Kimbrell, a Craig Kimbrell save opportunity if it didn't, if it didn't get your heart erasing. I mean, with, here's, here's what my, the point is, but the point yeah. with the Red Sox that I just like to make real quick. Yeah, yeah, the sure, point sure. With, the point with the Red Sox is they're going to ride with what they have. And I think it's a really risky move. I think on paper you can put it together for them. You can see how all the pieces fit and how how Brazier probably sets into the closer role and how sure. Barnes is the setup man and yada and all and all the rest of it. And on paper they seem to have it kind of figured out. But games aren't played on paper. Games aren't played played in theory. And while they have, I think, some really good arms in that bullpen, Brazier foremost among them. I don't think they have the plus arm right now that they really need, and I think it's a case of quantity and not quality for the Red Sox. Okay, but that said, there are a pair of relievers that stood out to me on the open market that one of which surprises me has not been signed yet. And who's that? Uh, well, the, f- the first one is Sean Kelly, who now I understand why teams might be skittish about him. He started with the Nationals last year. 
um, was DFA'd after he threw his glove to the ground after a uh, after giving up a home run. They said right. he, they said like, oh, he's showing up Dave Martinez. He latched on with the Oakland A's and was fine. Uh, and he's a former Yankee. He can strike guys out. Doesn't have a lot of velocity, but he's got a, a really good slider. But the other guy, Sergio Romo, right. spent last year with the Tampa Bay Rays. He's got he, the guy has three World Series rings, all one with the San Francisco Giants. Yeah. Uh, when Brian Wilson, and he looked good, and he looked good last year. Yeah, and when when Brian Wilson needed Tommy John surgery in San Francisco, who stepped in in 2012? It was Sergio Romo. Do we know what he got paid last year? Uh, we can find that out. Uh, he didn't. Not a lot. I mean, the Rays don't spend money. But he's probably be looking for a raise. Yeah, but at, at, but at the same time, it's it's a one year commitment. I mean, are the Red Sox? Do I presume that the Red Sox are open to a one year date with somebody who can help them? Contend? Yeah. Do I think, though, that Dave Dombrowski has kind of drawn a line in the sand? Romo made $2.5 million last year at age 35. I still think he's drawn a line in the sand for it, and I don't, and I don't know what he means by big expenditure. I don't know if he means, is $4 million a big expenditure? $4 million is a big expenditure. I mean, what if this is... Is it eight? Is it is eight a bit? Is eight big and six six isn't? I don't, you know, it's it's completely unclear. It's what? really unclear. It's hard to try to read the tea leaves as to what they're doing What right if now. this is a giant troll job by Dave Dombrowski and Nathan Navaldi's the closer? I mean, it it could be, um, although news reports uh, shortly before and after Ivaldi's signing um, stated that Ivaldi actually stated in interviews said, I came here because I wanted to be a starter and they were going to make me a starter. I, I don't, however, with what they've got, think that this bullpen works and makes it through and contends it. it and I'll just finish, and contends in October unless Nathan Eovaldi comes in to shore things up for a month and a half, maybe two, somewhere in the dog days of the summer. I don't know. We'll see. There's a there's a lot they got to cover. I mean, the bullpen is their biggest weakness. Uh, in a hard-hitting division like the ALEs, they, they have to take care of it. A lot of quality arms. They're lacking the one-plus arm they really need. Hopefully they get it because I love competition. All right, uh, now it's time for... Oh, you'll get... You'll, your Yankees are going to get plenty of competition this oh, year. Oh, be quiet. Ne- never you fear. Stop. <laughs> uh, moving, moving on. Uh, here we are. It is almost the end of January. Pitchers and catchers report in about two, three weeks. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper still don't have contracts. Still. Now, the Dodgers are probably out because they just signed A.J. Pollock sure. for... Uh, it's four years, $55 million. There's a 50-year option worth $10 million. He can opt out after three. Um, so that takes them out of the Bryce Harper sweepstakes. There's talk of them now swapping Jock Peterson to the Marlins for catcher JT Realmuto. Paul, what is going on here? I mean, the, the latest thing we have is that San Diego Union-Tribune is reporting um, the Padres are pursuing Manny Machado. They were checking in before. Now they're pursuing him. I, I mean, your guess is as good as, good as mine at this point. The only the only report we have on either of them is, is an offer, is a reported offer. It seemed actually to be a leaked offer about Manny, regarding Manny Machado for, I think, seven years, 175. 7175 from the Chicago White Sox. 7175 was quick discredited by Manny Machado's own agent. Dan Lozano, yeah. Uh, saying that's absolutely not accurate. Um, if if that's Manny Machado's price, the Yankees and the Red Sox should be in on him. 
Um, and if they weren't at that price, I'd be shocked. Uh, so I, I, I tend and because we've and be, just to just to finish the thought, because we've heard nothing from the Yankees or the Red Sox regarding Manny Machado, I'm, a, I'm inclined to believe that seven and 175 is false. And that's actually not what was offered, because if that were again, if that were the price, they would probably probably jump in. I think the great the, the bigger story here is let's put it this way. The average annual salary in Major League Baseball is down for the was down last year for the first time since 2004 from, you know, 4 million and change to a little less than four, you know, to a little lower than 4 million and okay. change. Uh, these ought the if if that offer is true, it's a low ball offer for yeah. Manny Machado and uh, I I I think I think with MLB teams I think with record re- with them recording record revenues and players expecting, and I think rightly so, a share of those record revenues for these, for these, you know, for this to be the best these teams can do, uh, at least at least if that's the offer from Machado, um, I mean, I think you're, I think their story is that you're that you're looking at a work stoppage here. Yeah, I mean, Michael Kay recently said on his radio show, this was about a week ago. He said if that alleged offer from the White Sox is the best Machado gets. Now, now keep right. in mind, Andy Martino uh, from SNY tweeted today, the Yankees uh, did make an offer for Machado. Um, they, they don't know if it's a formal one, but it's low, and they haven't been able to confirm exact years or dollars. And then he added that out of all the GMs, Brian Cashman is the hardest one to squeeze an offer from. So wait a minute. So you're telling me then that two teams have reportedly lowballed the same player. I'm not saying it's collusion, but it feels collusive. Well, that's funny you mention that because because Kay said if that's the deal that Machado gets, shame on the Yankees and, and any other team who could have offered him more. And the same goes for Harper if if he signs for at around the same because right, right now it's looking like he's either going to go back to D.C. or go to the Phillies. Right. The only team w- that seems to be willing to trot out the you know the big three hundred million dollar contract right now is the Nationals. Uh, well, yeah, that, yeah, because uh, Harper, yeah, because Ted Lerner, he has a very spare no expense attitude. Well, um, you know, and Harper's, you know, Harper's his guy. Harper's their guy, and he's been their guy for years. I mean, yeah. why would you not want to bring that, bring the hometown guy back and have him retire? As but a at national? the same time, it's not as though Harper is the end all be all of the Nationals winning next year because because yeah. without him, they're they're outfield. Who do they have? They have Adam Eaton, great contact hitter who's got some legs. Right. Michael Taylor, who's a fine defensive center fielder. Right. He's also got some legs, a good contact hitter too with some pop. Then they got this youngster Juan Soto, powerful lefty bat. Last season became the first rookie since Ken Griffey Jr. to have a two home run game at Yankee Stadium. I mean, I mean, the I've I've spoken. I have a couple of Nationals fans in my orbit, and I've spoken to them, and <laughs> they seem that you know at least they seem at least they seem to feel. And this is very anecdotal, but at least they seem to feel that losing Harper is in some ways addition by subtraction. Yeah, you know that that you know with with the folk with the with all with with Harper being gone as that lightning rod, you know they can, the team can maybe coalesce and start to win a little bit more than they've been able to. Yeah, not worry about that one guy. I mean, but this begs the question, though. Well, hold on, hold on. One more sure. thing. One more thing. I, w- I want to add in Don Lagreca in response to Michael Kay. He made he made a great point. Let's say that a bunch of teams have taken meetings with Machado and and Harper, and they just decide, you know what? They're great players. We don't like them. Yeah. They're both polarizing personalities because you had Machado Machado with his Johnny Hustle comments and, you know, talking trash in Spanish to Jesus Aguilar in the NLCS, um, just diving back to first base on a pickoff. Harper, he's just playing... He's just like um, a standoffish guy. It strains credulity to me, though, to think that... (laughs) 
that not one, not two, but multiple teams have all come to the same conclusion, resulting in the same dollars. I think that for the same players. Here's the thing: in the same free agent, it a lot. I think a lot on. of this also has to come do with, has to do with the analytics in a certain extent. Because right. if you look at last year's free agent class, right, except for JD Martinez, everyone took a step back. Jake Arrieta had 10 wins posted in ERA in year four. Yeah. Eric Hosmer was like a two, like let's say like a 280, 30 home run hitter in Kansas City. That's just north of 250, doesn't even touch 20 home runs in San Diego. Right. Um, now, Harper and Machado, they're still unsigned, but look at what LaGreca said. They've just got these completely polarizing personalities. Now, next year's free agency headliners, you got Chris Sale sure. and Nolan Arenado. Neither of whom have major black marks on the record. Sale has the shoulder issue. But it just came out in recently. The po- and quite frankly, and quite frankly, postseason issues. Yeah, but at the, at the same time, there's no long-term concerns about his health. There were postseason uh, concerns with David Price. He got his money, sure, and he and he was probably runner-up for World Series MVP this year. But I think those t- that type of price contract is is one of the last of a bit of a dying breed. I think uh, in listening to De- in listening to Dabrowski uh, speak with Busteroni. <laughs> And listening to Dabrowski speak with Busteroni, Dabrowski suggested in some substance that essentially teams are looking to to see every dollar they spend have some sort of impact and performance. Gone are the, oh, we'll give them the fourth year. Yeah. No, they're going to want to see production. And I think that's what we're seeing with with Machado and Harper is where I think we're seeing squeamishness about the tail end of those of the contracts that they want. Yeah, which is understandable, but at the same time, they're going to be in their mid thirties. It depends on when their when their decline starts. We'll we'll see how the next couple of years go because they're going to be playing baseball somewhere next year. I mean, look, I mean, of course they are. I mean, but at the end of eight years, you know, Machado's going to be thirty three. Uh, no, he'll be um thirty thirty four yeah. thirty four. But yeah. at the end of seven years, he's going to be thirty three. So uh, it's not that old. It's really not. Uh, it's an ugly conversation. It's a hard conversation, but uh, right. oh wait, it's Hall of Fame talk time. Whoa! Oh, oh you had your time to talk trash. Now it's my <laughs> turn. Oh, here he comes, oh, coming in live. The Red Sox fan is shaking. No, oh. I am. I- Oh no, oh, no, no, Now entering the Hall of Fame, <laughs> number forty-two, Mariano. Rivera. Oh, man. Oh, go to sleep, Red Sox fans. Your cries will go unheard. Uh, Mariano Rivera leads a class of four on the uh, the writer's ballot because uh, Lee Smith and Harold Baines also got in. Um, Rivera gets not only gets into the Hall of Fame, 100% of 425 writers vote for him. Could not have happened to a better guy. He deserved it hands down. I think, I and I think that's right. And And guess who else? Did actually vote for Mariano Rivera. Who? Our good friend, the Worcester Telegram Gazette's oh! own Bill Ballow. It's like it's something. Did, out of, wait, wait. He actually sent in his ballot after he, all. He sent in his ballot and he voted for Mo. Wow. I guess he just needed to uh, get a good story going with his Be- previous comments. Because up in Worcester, down Fensterton Way, Bill Ballow's heart grew two sizes that day. I mean, it's something out of a Seuss, out of a Seuss book, but but I but I actually do agree with you. I think I think his you know I think his original story. I think the original story about him was a, was a, an attention grab. It was sensationalistic. I I don't appreciate it. It was clickbait. Yeah, 
Um, but it was it was clickbaity. But the the reasons the reason that he gave, and I and I can't cite it right now because I don't have it offhand. But the reason that I that he gave was that he spoke to a bunch of colleagues, most of whom disagreed. Uh, he cited he cited internet. You know, I, I forget how he phrased it, but the internet tumult uh, regarding his decision. <laughs> regarding, yeah, he, he was the number one trend on Twitter for a little while. A little, a little bit, right? Yeah. Uh, and then he cited somebody speaking to him about David Ortiz. And if your position is the, essentially the argument being, if your position is Mr. Balu, uh, that a closer is not a real position, then how is a DH a real position? And why should anybody vote for David Ortiz? Uh, that, that's actually a really good point because on top of Rivera getting in, because we, we don't need to talk about Rivera's stats because they, they speak for themselves. Of course. Uh, Edgar on, Marti- post- on postseason alone, Rivera should have gotten in. Yeah, like like, like sub-1 ERA, right. all the saves. But speaking of DHs, Edgar Martinez, longtime Seattle Mariners great, got in. Oh, one it, of my favorite players in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I, I hated when he beat up on the Yankees so much, but he was just so quiet. He was just just happy to be there. I loved watching him beat up on the Yankees. Yeah, but two-time batting title winner. Yeah, because his his career stats are. Is he a three thirty? Uh, no, I think I think he's a three twelve career hitter. Here, I'm pulling them up right now. Um, but couldn't have happened to a better guy. He was a deadly hitter. Had great hands. Yeah. Uh, and like every Yankees fan remembers Game Five of the '95 ALDS, where uh, Martinez just rips that double down the line. Yep. Uh, Griffey comes around to score the winning run. Uh, all right, so he was yeah, a he was a, he three twelve career hitter. He was an integral part. He was an integral part of those nineties Seattle lineups. Yeah. Now, 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 mind you, he did a lot of his hitting in the Kingdome, where it's second only to Fenway Park, and then anybody could get a hit. There. Yeah, but no, but he wasn't a home run hitter though. He wasn't. Um, you know, so it's not like he's banging the ball out of the ballpark all the time, and you're talking about got, thir- talking... got thirty home runs once right. in his career, and at age thirty seven at that. Right, you know he's a he's a guy he's a he was a gapper he's a line drive yep. hitter. Two thousand two hundred forty seven hits, three hundred nine home runs, twelve hundred sixty one RBIs. The guy deserved it. More average than power. I'm glad he got in. So am I. Um, and because the Mariners need more representation in the hall. I mean, look, one of my favorite players growing up. Uh, happy to see him get in. Another guy he got in. He was, you know, uh, as a Sox fan, he was he was a nemesis constantly. But you know, I. Looking at his stats alone, you know, Baltimore, between Baltimore and New York, he deserved it. Mike Messina. Yeah. The, I mean, mo- the moose is finally loose. He's an unconventional Hall of Famer, but it's well-deserved because the man spends his entire career in the AL East. For, right. Like, first half with the Baltimore Orioles, right. second half right. with the Yankees. Now, this is in the 90s when the AL East is slowly but surely becoming the hardest-hitting team in all of baseball. No, it's a, it, you know, come 95, 96, the AL, the AL East turns into a, a downright meat grinder. Yeah, and and here here's what Mike Mussina does during the steroid era: 270 wins, 3.68 ERA, over 2,800 strikeouts. And keep in mind, this entire time his velocity is barely touching 90. Right, 640 win percentage. I mean, he's I yeah. th- he's so, he's a bit he feels to me somebody out of the Greg Maddox mold. Yeah, he, he's he's a tactician. Exactly. Yeah, because he uh, he had this nasty curveball. Graduated from Stanford in three years with a degree in economics. And he's, I'm, I'm sorry, coming through the steroid era with 270 wins, it, you're in the hall. Yeah, and similarly, Roy Halladay, who has just north of 200 wins, he's right. na- he's like now going to say, you know what, five-man rotation, no one's going to win 300 games anymore. Right. And wins are irrelevant as it is. And it also came out today that Mucina, he is going to go in capless in the Hall of Fame. How do you feel about that? Uh, it, he, it's the right move. 
because I, I was personally pulling for him to go in as an Oriole. Yeah. Just because the Yankees have have so much representation in the Hall of Fame. Sure. Reggie Jackson wore the Yankees cap because the, the Oakland A's fired him as their hitting coach and he wanted to stick it to them. When in reality, okay, like he had he had only five years of the Yankees, but he won three consecutive rings. Uh, with Oakland, including a World Series MVP. Everyone remembers him as as an Oakland athletic. He started and ended his career there. Right. Uh, but Moose made the right move. He says, look, they're they're both responsible for making me a Hall of Famer. Uh, it was the right thing to do on his part. He had a lot of good years with the Orioles, but I can tell you that I remember him more for his time with the Yankees. That, I remember about both. That being said, the reason I think I remember him more for his time with the Yankees is because the Yankees – while he was there, were so often in 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 deep struggle with the Boston Red Sox that you saw him all the time. Yeah, you know the Reds and the Orioles by that time had kind of faded, and and you know and he yeah and, it, it was like the 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 post Ripken like you know, Ripken had that kind of bump in the mid nineties right 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 or along with Baltimore and then it once and then like by the time you around the, the time he set the record and that then that then yeah that was kind of it. I think the uh, the, the what's the the Jeffrey Mayer game? I think that was that was ninety six. That was ALCS. I feel like that was pretty much the, the 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 beginning of the end for those nineties Orioles teams. Yeah, um, but and also like he didn't do that much with the Yankees. He he made a couple of All Star teams. He had his one twenty game win season in two thousand eight, his last year. Right. Uh, the best way to describe his Yankees tenure. He arrived a year too late, 2001, left a year too early, 2008. You know, but he pitched well in between. and He did. You know, and congratulations to Mike Messina for making the Hall. I mean, a lot, I've, seen a lot of, I've seen a lot of people say, you know, why aren't, why aren't others regarding Mariano Rivera? Why aren't others 100%? And, and, I, and I did take a look <laughs> at why other players weren't, 100, you know, weren't unanimous picks to the Hall of Fame. Ted Williams, Cal Ripken, Babe Ruth. And you could what I what you can draw is, you know, from my perspective, you can draw a reason for just about every player. Yeah. But you can't draw a through line why, why anybody's a why anybody is anybody else wasn't a hundred percent. Like Cal Ripken, maybe somebody didn't like that he batted two seventy six. Uh, Ted Williams was a jerk to the sports writers. You yeah. Know, he had a t- terrible relationship with you know a bad relationship with with much of the media. Once once Ted Williams said. Uh, they walked in the Red Sox clubhouse, a couple of the writers, and he said, "Wow, oh, what smells? What smells?" And the you know the sports writers are like, and he goes, "Oh yeah, it's the shit you wrote about me last yesterday. It's that crap you wrote about me yesterday." Yeah, no cursing, please. Sorry, <laughs> no uh, worries. You want to do it again? <laughs> no, we're fine. We're right. fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 bleep that part out. All right. Uh, anyway, uh, but that that seems like a good way to segue into this uh, into the final part of our show. I, and I don't want to spend that much time on this because it is a bit of a touchy subject. The Hall of Fame next year's class, um, notable first timers. You got Paul Konerko, who's a two seventy nine hitter, four hundred thirty nine home runs, but like he was a slugger. That's about it. Right. Jason Giambi is going to be the next major steroid test case. Alfonso Soriano, another great slugger who kind of tailed off pretty quickly. He did actually. Yeah. And, he, he faded way quicker than I thought he would. Yeah, I mean the, the Cubs contract slaughtered him, and then there's Derek Jeter. Now Derek Jeter's gonna, <laughs> Derek Jeter's going to get in. Let, let's just let's just get that out there right now. At this point, though, does I I I think that he could be unanimous, and and I'll tell you why, and I'll okay. and I'll tell you why. Uh, at this point, it's it's such a uh, the statistical milestone of three thousand hits is so it, you know is so far and away a Hall of Fame you know a Hall of Fame inductable milestone that simply because he hit it he's probably unanimous hall of famer no 
I mean, who who's going to disagree with that? I mean, especially the, given the class around him. The way I see it, um, he had near the same amount of respect as Mo, but wasn't nearly as beloved by the writers because because Jeter's very introverted. Right. Like Mariano Rivera, he'll talk to everybody. He's always got a smile on his face. Derek Jeter's very private. Like when when he had his number retired at Yankee Stadium, I was there. He spoke for less than two minutes. So like it was very clear he just wanted to get it over and done with. Sure. Um, and I feel that because of that enough salty writers be they like Red Sox writers, Mets writers, like any other team, they'll probably leave him off out of out of spite or try to use a vote that would have been for him to try and put another guy over just because the justification he's getting in anyway. There's not a lot around him though. You know, there's I with the rule of 10, even with the rule of 10 being what it is, I see Derek Jeter as, you know, as a first ballot Hall of Famer number 1 and yeah. I and I see him having an outside shot at a unanimous vote. I hope so, because really like the, you could make the compiler argument, but I was listening to R2C2 today, and and they made the great point: if you played for, were able to play for like nineteen, twenty years at a high level, you should be rewarded with the Hall of Fame. No, but in in, in the same thing, I I've never bought the compiler argument. I'm a little bummed, you know, that Fred McGriff. I think I Fred that you know I'm a little bummed about Fred McGriff. Um, and he might get in with like the modern era committee. The point, my point is merely this: he played for all that time, Derek Jeter. You know, yeah. and he, and you amass the stats you amass during the time that you play. Yeah, and I don't, I just don't buy this. You know that you're, that you're playing to compile stat. Be even if you were, you're still playing and compiling that stats. Three thousand hits is a milestone. He's got it. You know, he's got it. He's a career three hundred hitter. Yeah. You know, I, I think, he, I think he's definitely a shoe in. And there's also somebody else who's probably going to get more more votes now. I, now I make an executive decision. We're not going to spend more than three minutes talking about this because thank God. Yeah, Kurt Schilling got like sixty something percent of the vote this year. Right. He's going to get more votes next year. I right. think it's an inevitability. Right. Um, this is a very tough conversation to have because I consider myself a very open minded person. I consider baseball to be a game of inclusiveness. Sure. It is, it is a global game. Kurt Schilling. I'm not. Now we're not going to say what he said. No. Like, like everyone, everyone listening to this is either fully aware of what he said. Google it. Or, or yeah, or they can Google <laughs> it. Kurt Schilling, through his Twitter, through just the way he's conducting himself, he is all but admitted that he does not view the world as a place of inclusiveness. His his, his politics are can be can his politics right can, up there with Bob Nepper used to pitch for the uh, for the Astros. His politics are divisive. Yeah, I mean, ESPN even said upon his firing for an incendiary tweet, ESPN is an inclusive company. Kurt Schilling has been advised that its conduct was unacceptable and his employment with ESPN has been terminated. I am fully of the belief that sports and politics should never be in the same bed together. Absolutely. Like, don't even bring them up in the same conversation. Like, in the case of Schilling, he is, he has made a career of doing that. I, I remember when he was with the Red Sox, he'd go on Letterman and just start talking politics. Right. Like, no, uh, it's he, always he, on his mind. That's, he, he's a jerk on Twitter. Now that being said, on numbers alone, now now, right. now keep in mind, I say this about steroid guys. I say this about divisive guys like Schilling. On numbers alone, he should be in. I think so. Barry Bond should be on numbers alone. Although Roger I, Clemens should be on numbers alone. Although on numbers alone, hold on. That said, if Bonds or Clemens pulled a Schilling and said something that wasn't the most PC, I might reverse my position on that. Right. Uh, but you were saying about numbers alone. I'm sorry. I, I mean, regarding regarding Schilling's resume, numbers alone, his resume isn't isn't the strongest Hall of Fame. I mean, he, I mean, there was that time uh, when resume. he resume. I, I look. He's I, got I, the strikeouts. That's about it. My point is, he's got 216 wins. You know, uh, he doesn't have a he doesn't have a stellar win percentage for me. Uh, on numbers alone, 
at least his regular season resume isn't, you know, it doesn't shine, you know, it doesn't flash Hall of Fame. It's his postseason resume that does it for me. His, you know, the fact that the he's bloody suck. It's not even. It's not even that. It's his time with Arizona too. Yep. He not only he not only pitched in the postseason and pitched well. He starred in the postseason, and when you could pitch like he did on the world's biggest stage and win, that says something about you as a player. I am of the opinion that the only thing that should count are their deeds on the field. I am of the opinion that Pete Rose should be in the hall, that all the, that all the black Sox who are worthy statistically and otherwise should be in the hall, regardless of their conduct. And I, and I'm likewise of the opinion that, and I know you disagree, but that regardless of his political stances, I do believe that Kurt Schilling should be in the hall. Of well, let, let, let me give you think, because my because my issue with him in the hall, it's not it's not his politics, right it or not. My, you know, at the timer goes off, but we're we're going to squeeze this in. My issue with Schilling getting the Hall of Fame is that he is such a polarizing and divisive figure. Sure. Now you've watched the Hall of Fame inductions on TV. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a town of eighteen hundred Cooperstown, <laughs> and there's tens of thousands of people that show up just for this day. Yeah. With Schilling, I am worried that there. those tens of thousands will show up, and he'll be booed off off the green. I, I and to me that's just. It's his moment. Let him have it, regardless of what you think about him. Right. But it's also such a black eye for the Hall of Fame. I think you. I think you, sh- you ought to cross that bridge when you come to it. Yeah, I mean, like, because, like I said, like on numbers alone, you said the postseason itself. Like he, he should be, he should be in. Anyway, uh, that is it for this edition of You May Be Right. Uh, Paul, I got anything you want to plug? You know, uh, you could find me on Twitter at D Sports. And you can find me at JB's World 3286. You can follow Elite Sports New York at Elite Sports NY on Twitter. You can subscribe to the You May Be Right podcast on iTunes and all other podcast search engines, venues, whatever you want to call them. Podcatchers. Yeah, podcatchers. All right. But uh, the trick is on iTunes specifically, you have to search for You May Be Right podcast. Those exact words. Anyway, this has been uh, You May Be Right with JB. And Paulie D, um, you gonna wear a Rivera jersey on the day of the induction? No, probably not. But I'll, I'll, you know, I'll still be glad he's in. All right, thanks a lot, folks. Enjoy the game. Thanks for listening to Elite Sports Radio. Stay elite.